You're listening to episode 186 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a podcasting coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, and a Canadian with a sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using stories to connect with and positively impact others. Here on the Room to Grow podcast, we're going deep into big topics like relationships, mental health, business, confidence, lifestyle, personal development, and entrepreneurship, and being open, honest, and real about how to learn from tough lessons along the way when life throws you into the unexpected. I bring you thoughts and guests with stories that will change the way you look at the world and yourself so that we can learn from each other and grow with lots of self-love and compassion every step of the way. There's always more room to grow. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast, and I'm so excited to bring on today's guest. We are talking to Stephanie Kwong today, and she's a mindset mastery coach, hypnotherapist, and host of the Rise Higher podcast. She supports high achievers to identify and remove mental and emotional roadblocks and redesign their subconscious mind to achieve their next level through hypnosis, breathwork, subconscious reprogramming, and other techniques to master their mind and elevate their energy. Through this subconscious programming, her clients effortlessly achieve the results that they want personally, professionally, and financially. Stephanie is such an amazing human. Honestly, she just radiates this gorgeous energy and and joy from her. And I I had the absolute pleasure of coming across her at an event that we were both at in December in California. And she was starting to introduce herself to a handful of people that I was with. And I spotted her name tag. You know how they always give you those name tags at those events? (laughs) I spotted her name tag and I'm like, wait a minute, Stephanie Kwong, like I know your, your podcast, I'm familiar with who you are. And I, I totally fangirled for a minute. And I had the amazing time of uh, getting to connect with her at lunch and throughout the event. It was such a great time. And I knew that I had to bring her on the podcast. So this was a really fun episode for me. I had a huge amount of fun uh, chatting with her and she gave us a huge amount of information around things like, like what hypnotherapy actually is and what it is not because we have a very different idea of what we believe hypnotherapy to be compared to what it actually is. And I even recently had the experience of having a three hour hypnotherapy session done here in Bali. And it was not really at all what I had imagined it to be in a good way, like in a really positive way. I think that we just have these, um, old ideas stuck in our heads about what hypnotherapy and what hypnosis actually is that aren't even accurate. So we're also talking about the unconscious beliefs that are established as very young children and how to sort of start to reprogram those, uh, weaving self-love into our everyday life because so many of us, including me, can be so hard on ourselves and it really doesn't serve us at all. It actually holds us back a huge amount. Um, examining manifestations on an energetic level and the relationship between our parasympathetic nervous system and our ability to manifest as well, which is super fascinating. So I don't want to hold this up any longer because I want to dive in with Stephanie. So let's get started. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Girl, thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us a little bit about you. You and I uh, met officially. It's so funny. You and I met at an event back in December in California. And you were introducing yourself to people and I spotted your name tag. This is, I guess, why they give us name tags at those events. I spotted your name tag and I'm like, Stephanie Kwong, I know who you are. (laughs) And we instantly bonded. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about why I know who you are and uh, your background and kind of how you got to where you are today. (laughs) Yeah, I think the funny thing was when you saw my name tag, you're like, wait, I listened to your podcast. I'm like, cool. Yeah, I, I'm a podcaster. Uh, my show is called Rise Higher, where I interview 
accomplished guests who share their stories of struggle and setback and what they do to rise higher and overcome. Um, because I really believe in the power of vulnerability and authenticity. I think that we're all, many of us are just finding our way in this world to awaken. And in that awakening process, go through some really deep struggles and many times feel like we're all alone. So um, sharing those stories has people feel less alone and to know that there's a pathway up and out. Um, and with that being said, the awakening piece, I support people in doing that, really identifying what's holding them back and releasing it and really standing to an awakening to the truth of who they truly are and aligning themselves energetically to be able to achieve exactly what it is that they say that they want because we are limitless beings. Um, we're conscious beings who can create whatever we want, but there's so much programming that's been in the way that blocks us from that. And a lot of times when people you know, struggle to achieve what it is that they say that they want, it's because they usually have subconscious beliefs that are not in alignment with what they say they want. And as they continue to work hard in getting to where they want to go or finding new strategies and they come up empty, many times they go into the story of what's wrong with me. Maybe I'm not meant for this. I must be broken. I'm not good enough. And those are all the pieces that continue to perpetuate the cycle of what's holding them back. But ultimately, you know, we can achieve whatever it is that we say we desire. And that's what I help to unlock pe within people through their subconscious mainly. And that's something I'm super passionate about is doing hypnosis, NLP. I also work through the body through breath work. Uh, and then I also am obsessed with talking about self-love. <laughs> that was one of my first programs was a self-love transformation course because I really know that a big piece of our ability to experience any sort of fulfillment and also for many souls journey in this lifetime is to come home to themselves and to develop a really deeply loving, unconditionally loving relationship with ourselves so that we could truly access that happiness, that peace, that joy um, and fulfillment that I think we're all craving. That's me. That's, that's really beautiful. And, and the self-love piece too, I think that sometimes we'll, we'll kind of think about that part. We're like, oh yeah, 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 that's important. And then we sort of move on to something else. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really big part of aligning energetically with what it is that you want to accomplish. Because otherwise, it, you know, you and I were talking about this right before uh, we jumped on, but getting stuck in like negative self-talk and the power of that. And if we can come at it from more of a, a sense of love for ourselves, mm -hmm. that makes all the difference. That really shifts things in a really significant way. Oh, completely. Yeah, you know, we're always in hypnotizing ourselves let me use that language right because with our words we are basically dropping in suggestions and generating um, specific feelings and thoughts that are creating our current reality that keep happening in the same patterns and until we actually shift the conversation internally and hypnotize ourselves in new ways using language patterns that are actually supportive of what we want you know, when we do that, that then gives us access to be able to have the things that we truly desire. And self-love to me, it's so funny because I work with like, in my private practice, I work with very, very high level people. Um, so whether they're, I, I live in Los Angeles, so I work with some celebrities out here. I have CEOs, I have people who've sold companies for a significant amount of money. And, and I even have, you know, just people might, well, before I didn't have super high achievers, but either way, 
when I would regress them back or go back to what's really holding them back, it always came back to their relationship with themselves. Like, do you believe in yourself or do you not? Do you love yourself or do you not? Are you compassionate with yourself or do you beat yourself up? Do you have, you know, the willingness to um, push yourself and know that you're capable or do you just sit in self-doubt and hold yourself back? Right. And so a lot of times when you just shift the conversation, the feelings in your body shift and then the feelings actually propel you into action in new ways that then generate new results for you. So, yeah. And many times it's like if you, I did a Vipassana, was it two years ago, which is a 10 day silent meditation retreat. And you meditate for 10 hours and 45 minutes a day for 10 days. You don't speak to anybody. You don't look at anyone and you're really just with yourself. And I remember in the very first day, the meditation, all we did is just focus on this triangular area of our nose and you just observe the sensations. So you're not changing them. You're not doing a breathing pattern in the meditation. You're just observing and being with what is. And I noticed that, well, that first day, my mind was just flipping to, it was, it was monkey mind. I could not control it. And it kept bouncing to all these different things. And at the end of the night, when I was reflecting, what I observed was that probably about 60% of the things that my mind kept going to were things that had me feel bad about myself. And then when I really started to tease out what were those things, it was like five of the same things that I was saying over and over. And it was like, you're still single. Can you have kids? You know, so-and-so doesn't like you. Where are you along with your career? And then it just kept bouncing to those same five things. And I was like, wow, how often do we actually see what's going on in our mind and take control of it? Because for a majority of people, if we transcribed their daily thoughts, I'm going to guess that a majority of them too are not supportive thoughts about themselves, but ones that are critical. And that really takes a toll on our ability to experience happiness or to feel good or to feel confident, you know, which I know that a lot of people say that they crave, but yeah, that's what holds us back. So I'm really relating to that on, on such a deep level. And I imagine uh, that a lot of people listening probably are because we, we do all have these these issues that are really rooted like they're our main belief system and it we're building everything on top of that foundation and then we're wondering why things aren't coming together the way we want mm -hmm. them to um i i really really love the, that you bring so much of the self-love piece into it uh i'm gonna switch directions a little bit tell us a little bit about uh hypnosis and hypnotherapy because you and I were talking at the event too. And, and I said, you know, sometimes I imagine from a marketing standpoint, you have to kind of figure out how to educate people about this because it sounds scary. Like hypnotherapy just sounds like a super scary word. Like what, what is that? And what is it about? And I recently, um, very recently just had an experience of hypnotherapy and it wasn't really what I was expecting in, in the best possible way. Like it was, it was really, really fascinating. So I'd love to hear your explanation how you kind of break it down for people. Yeah, it's, well, let me actually ask you this. When you think of hypnosis, what do you think of? You, you kind of think of like those, those movies where they're playing the, I feel like I'm not <laughs> gonna describe this very well, but like, you know, the, the spinny things and all of that where, and then somebody goes into a trance and, and they're being ordered to do things that they don't necessarily want to do. Like, that's <laughs> what I think of when I think of hypnosis. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's actually quite typical. So a lot of people, their only reference to hypnosis is like stage hypnotist. So what you're talking about having those like spinny um, swirling discs that have you go into trance-like state, or you're watching someone on stage putting people into an induction and all of a sudden they're making them do weird things like start they start barking or <laughs> just doing really strange stuff on stage. <laughs> um, and then there's those I've had who I've asked them like, what's your perception of hypnosis? And they go, the only thing I know of is that movie Get Out. And have you seen, seen it? it? No, so I get out. Seen it. <laughs> it's like this woman, she basically hypnotizes this guy by using, by making a specific sound, um, using her spoon inside of her mug and then has him do some really horrible things. Um, oh no. So we don't, everybody, we don't want that. <laughs> no, no, no. So, but what, that's, that's the perception that people have, which I think is yeah. what's scary about it. They think that it's mind control, right? They think that, oh my gosh, you're going to take over my brain and make me do crazy stuff and I'm not going to remember it or it's harmful. And for most of us, you know, what's most important is safety. And so when we think about hypnosis and that's the perception of it, it feels very unsafe, which is why people get so weirded out by it. However, hypnosis is actually a natural state that we go into all day, every day. Um, what I like to say hypnosis really is it's just like a trance-like state or we're slowing down your brain waves, right? To theta. And that's, and it's a time when you have a heightened focus and concentration. And in the state of hypnosis, when you're in theta, it's when your judger mind, that critical part, the prefrontal cortex is relaxed and we're able to actually access your subconscious and start to create change in there. Now you're not asleep. You are not uh, able to be controlled uh, in therapeutic hypnosis, which is what I do. Um, but you can also liken to um, that state, that feeling of like deep, deep meditation. So when I mentioned that we all go through states of hypnosis throughout the day, like when you go to sleep, your brainwaves are slowing down. When you're active and awake, it's in beta, then it goes down to alpha, theta, and delta is when you're asleep. So you naturally go into that alpha theta state, which is ideal for hypnosis. And then when you're waking up in the morning, you're going from delta to theta to alpha to beta. And so now you're also kind of moving through that kind of woozy time where you're like, you know, kind of awake, but not awake state. And I also tell people like, if you've ever, you know, watched a movie and you've cried or been scared, uh, you're actually in hypnosis. Like, you know, it's fake. You're sitting in a seat in a theater or in your house, you're staring at a screen, but you're super suggestible and it's creating emotions within you. You're in hypnosis. Or if you drive from point A to point B and you're like, wait, how did I get here? You were in hypnosis. Or I even say this for fun, but like when you first fall in love and whatever that person says to you, you're like, yes, whatever you say, you're actually very suggestible <laughs> to them. You're in hypnosis. So there's different states of hypnosis, but essentially when we're doing therapeutic we're slowing down your brain waves to get you to a place where your subconscious mind is accessible and you're in a heightened focus and concentration. And when people are in hypnosis, I'm sure you experience this, you can hear everything, right? You can hear your own thoughts. You can hear what the practitioner is saying. You could hear outside sounds. Um, and I always say to my clients, I'm like, I can't make you do or say anything that you don't want to do. Uh, there are depths of hypnosis that you could take people into, but really in therapeutic, you don't drop them into states of amnesia. 
um, you're really in a state where they're still present with you. But what's powerful about hypnosis is most, most of what we've learned, what our current operating system is, came from when we were children. So from birth till about seven years old, you were actually in a pure state of hypnosis, meaning you were fully open and suggestible to whatever people told you. So if you grew up in a household where you were told you were smart or stupid, fast, slow, that it's hard to make money or we can't pay our bills or buy whatever you want, you know, have whatever you want, that goes directly into your subconscious mind. We don't have our conscious mind yet to start to go, that's not true, I don't believe that. We're literally just sponges or think of yourself almost like a movie camera, right? And you're just recording everything in. And you're also recording how people behave. Like you might have grown up in a household where how you deal with conflict is to shut down and avoid. Or maybe what you observed in your household is that you puff up and start screaming even louder. And then again, we start to adopt that and that goes straight into our subconscious. We record that because we're in that state of hypnosis, just saying yes and receiving all the suggestions in. And that becomes, again, a majority of our operating system as adults. And I always say that a lot of times adults are just, um, or we're children trapped in adult bodies because all of our beliefs, our majority of them, come from when we're younger. Now, you can definitely create beliefs as you get older and beliefs are formed in a variety of ways. It can be through repetition. It can be through a high impact event. So, you know, let's say if you were scared to speak on stage and all of a sudden you spoke on stage and you had an incredible event, it's like, boom, your beliefs change right there. Or you could have gotten to a car accident or experienced, you know, some sort of physical abuse or something. And then boom, a new belief can form that way as well. So the beliefs in a high impact event can be positive or negative. And then also through somatic experiencing, right? A lot of times, just like the energies that we pick up or through our body, we can, um, or that's how we can change them. Like I do it through breath work is shifting beliefs there and starting to release stuff that doesn't serve me anymore. So, and then through hypnosis. So over time, um, you know, we picked up these beliefs through these ways and the way to shift it and change it is also through those same exact ways. That's really fascinating. It, and yeah. it's really so interesting too that we form so many of our beliefs so early on. I, I think a lot of us kind of are, know that, but when you hear that repeated um, and you really start to fully comprehend what that could mean, especially depending on what your childhood looked like. And, and even if you had, you know, the most magical childhood ever, that you're still absorbing beliefs that won't necessarily serve you later on. Yeah. Uh, I think that sometimes we associate that with like negative things. It doesn't have to be negative beliefs. It's just beliefs. Like it, it's the meaning we attach to them that make them positive or negative. Exactly. And they can be positive or negative, you know, and, and not only that, but a lot of the beliefs that we form too when we were children come from misinterpretations of experiences. Like, the wrong meanings that we place to things, you know, how many times have, if I've regressed people back in hypnosis and a moment in time comes up where their mom forgot to pick them up from school. And the meaning that they made about that is that I must not be enough or unlovable because if I was, they would be here right now. 
Is that true? Beautiful point. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true? No, your mom or dad might've had a, or whoever, your guardian had a human moment and they forgot to pick you up or they were late. But as a child, you're so egocentric. You're so focused on just your world. You're making everything about you and misinterpreting so much of what happens as a kid, because we don't really start forming our conscious mind, like the part of our mind that has logic, analyzing skills, decision-making, uh, and willpower, the one thing that doesn't work when we want it to, that's part of our conscious mind. That's about 5% of our mind power versus the subconscious is 95%. Wow. And that, and so of course we know if it's between the conscious and subconscious, which drives the show, it's going to be the subconscious. And that's where our beliefs are stored, which is what, why that's the very place you need to go to shift it. But as you're growing up, your conscious mind isn't that sophisticated. And that's why we're making all these misinterpretations of events that are happening in our lives. And then boom, it goes straight into our subconscious and that becomes our operating system again. And so a lot of us have so many, yeah, no, just disempowering beliefs that are currently running our lives, which are the very thing that's sabotaging us, having us feel stuck or getting in the way of what it is that we truly desire. That's absolutely, it's just really incredibly fascinating. And the, the one thing that I want to underscore too, is my, my own experience with hypnotherapy is that you're, you're absolutely right. And actually how it was explained to me was for for anyone who's ever done yoga nidra, it was almost, it was almost like that. Like it it is sort of basically like a, a form of meditation. I was fully conscious of everything around me. Um, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like I was being controlled <laughs> in any way or anything like that. And a lot of the memories that, that came up were from when I was uh, a child and mm-hmm. those really like super formative years and beliefs that I adopted, they weren't even necessarily things that were told to me. They were just kind of moments in time that I, I had this moment of, of believing something that I then carried with me years mm-hmm. and years and years later. Oh, so yeah. where, yeah, and it, it's fascinating. So where do you kind of begin with people? Yeah, so basically when I work with my clients, I'll have them fill out a pretty hefty intake form just so I can really understand more about who they are and I can pick up patterns just by you know, reading and understanding their answers and, and what they describe as their experience of the world and also what they want to work through. So once I get that, then we'll kind of know, I'll know where to take them. And one of the big processes that I'll do is through regression. So I'll put someone into hypnosis and then I'll bring them back to the point in time where a limiting belief started, because many of them will say like, I know that I struggle with feeling not good enough, or I know that, you know, I have a hard time speaking up and, or I know that I really struggle with getting support and I'm so burnt out and I need to shift it, but I can't we'll usually pull out a limiting belief or a limiting pattern that isn't behavior that isn't working for them. And then, like I said, I'll regress them back and we'll find a moment in time or the few different moments in time where this was generated, like the genesis of it. And then I'll do a process to kind of heal that. And then I'll do a reprogramming. So for my clients, like there's some hypnotherapists who'll just like figure out the reprogramming on the fly. I actually go through the intake form and through a conversation with my client to go, what is it that they really want to program in? 
and I'll create like an entire script for them that gets, that goes in during the reprogramming process. And the reason why that's important is we are actually most suggestible to ourselves. So suggestibility is again, the, the ability to accept, surrender, and to believe a thought. And so when we're constantly saying certain things to ourselves, we're most suggestible to ourselves. So we are most able to surrender, accept, or to believe a thought from us, which is why it's important to use your own language or have a hypnotherapist use your language versus their own when they're doing the reprogramming. And um, then I'll usually like, create a custom recording and then they'll listen to it for 21 days to just drive it in deeper. Because again, as I mentioned, one of the ways to reprogram is through repetition. So we kind of, I hit it from a lot of different angles, um, but it's fascinating, Emily, because like just as two examples, one, I was working with this guy. He was a very, very, he was 28 years old, extraordinarily successful. He had a multi, multiple seven figure business and he struggled with, um, well, he struggled with an addiction. And so we were trying to shift that for him. And when we went into, I took him into regression, a moment in time came up when he was three years old and he was in the closet playing with his toys. And his dad came in and his dad said, play with it like this. And he didn't want to. So he did his own thing. And his dad said, no. And I said, well, how did that make you feel? And he said, stupid. And his whole body kind of like dropped. He was in person with me so I could see his body. So his body just kind of dropped and he starts crying. So I knew to do some reprogramming around that. But when he came up out of hypnosis, he said, he's like, oh my God, I have been struggling with the story that I'm stupid my entire life. I had no idea where it came from. I built this company to prove that I'm not dumb. And like when I'm in rooms with these successful people, I like stutter and I say stupid things because I think that I'm not as good as them and I'm stupid. And he's like, what a lie. Like that came when he was three, like blew my mind and blew his mind. Um, and then another example, which shows the power of this, when we can actually access the memories in our subconscious to know what created the issue. Um, I had a woman come to me. She was a TV hostess and she struggled with anxiety attacks and panic attacks. Went to therapists, went to a bunch of different places and couldn't figure out what it was. And their final answer was here, take this pill to, you know, curb your anxiety. And she's like, I don't want to take medication. And so one of her friends was a client of mine. So she got referred. And in the intake form, she wrote down, you know, I need you to know that usually when the panic sets in, it's late at night and early in the mornings. And she didn't have her first panic attack until she was 21 years old. She was in Vegas with her friends, woke up in the morning and had a panic attack, had to run out of the hotel room and be outdoors. Then down the road, she had gave birth to two sons separately, both times, panic, had to leave the hospital room, go outside to calm herself. And so I put her into the regression state and a memory came up when she was seven years old. It was the Northridge earthquake that hit and she ran out of her room, went under the table. And as she's recounting this, she's like crying right now. And she said that they had to sleep in their car that night. And for a week, there was no power and no water. And when the tremors hit, it was late at night and early in the morning. 
which is usually when our panic set in. And it's like, how else would you be able to pull this out that an earthquake affected her? And when she came out of hypnosis, I don't know if you cuss on here, but basically she goes, wow, I guess that, you know, that earthquake effed me up. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Would have never known. But when we put her in a state where she felt safe and we were able to access these memories, her subconscious is like, here you go. This is, this is why I'm giving these panic attacks is to protect you. And it didn't occur till later on in her life. She was seven when the earthquake hit. And it wasn't until she was 21 that all of a sudden she's getting these physical symptoms from the trauma that was embedded in her. So th- whenever I have moments like that, I'm like, this hypnosis stuff is pretty freaking magical <laughs> to find answers for what's holding people back and to be able to reprogram and heal you know, them and create a new operating system to to walk this life in that's actually more effective and again, moving us towards what we want. That's incredible. Well, I love both of those examples because it just really highlights how something, I mean, the earthquake, you know, you can understand that being a little bit more traumatizing, but sometimes it can be the, the moment, like what the, what the other guy had, where it's this seemingly tiny moment in time that, that is, is basically meaningless. But we attach so much meaning to it that then we carry it with us throughout our entire lives. It's just incredible Mm -hmm. how much that can shift the entire course of our being. That can end up dictating what we do for the rest of our lives, which is just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it actually does. Yeah. You can't outperform what you believe, you know, within your identity, what you believe about yourself or what you believe about the world. Yeah. Because our outside world completely mirrors our internal world. So if your internal world is set to certain beliefs or you have certain set points of what you believe is possible or what you deserve, that's exactly what you're going to get. You know, if you um, operate in lack and fear and scarcity, you're not going to have abundance in your life. Or if you happen to get some abundance, you'll sabotage, destroy it and push it away. Because we always will operate from and create from what we've been programmed with or conditioned with. Well, that brings up for me things like manifestation, you know, abundance and stuff like that. So let's tie this into manifestation a little bit because I think there are a lot of misinterpretations about manifestation that, you know, if you think about it hard enough or (laughs) all those things, that (laughs) things will just magically like fall into your lap. (laughs) And there's definitely a fine line between manifestation and actually taking action too. But a lot of times these, these deeper beliefs will keep us from manifesting things. And sometimes they'll actually keep us from taking the action too, depending on, you know, the self-sabotage aspect of that and all of that. So what, what does that kind of look like? And what is the, the relationship between that and things like hypnotherapy and digging into these, these more success, these, um, beliefs that keep us from becoming more successful? Yeah, so we're actually always manifesting constantly. It's just a matter of are you manifesting what it is that you say that you want or not, right? But it's not like we only manifest at certain times. Everything that's in our current reality, we've manifested it or we've created it. And that's, again, based off of our internal operating system. So what happens is a lot of times people will go, oh, to manifest, all I have to do is think about what it is that I want. Well, even if you think about 
a million dollars, but you believe that you're not worthy of it, there's a conflict, right? And so it doesn't matter how much you think about it because the thinking is the conscious mind, again, 5%, and the belief is in the subconscious, 95%. Which one do you think is going to win out? It's obviously going to be subconscious, right? So what needs to happen is to go into the subconscious and start to rework the beliefs to support you in what you want so that you're aligned energetically with the very thing that you say that you desire. Because if you say that you desire something and you really believe that you deserve to have it or you're worthy of it or whatever the belief needs to be to align yourself with the desire, all of a sudden when 100% alignment comes in, it, you're like a straight shot, right, to what you want. And a lot of times too, people will go, well, I'll just try a new strategy to get what I want. And so then they start to hire, you know, other coaches or they start to um, just have a different strategy to get to what they want. Let's just say even like with weight loss, right? Well, maybe I'll try keto or maybe I'll start to count my calories or maybe I'm going to do vegan or maybe. I and so they're strategizing all over the place. But if in their belief system, being overweight is actually safe for them, like it's a protecting them in some way, right? They believe that unconsciously. It doesn't matter how much strategy you use to try to lose the weight. If you believe yourself to be safe as a heavy person, then you're going to continue to block and sabotage any sort of weight loss. And it doesn't matter what strategy you use until you have your beliefs aligned, like, or you see yourself as a thin person, you know, or fit person, however you want to view yourself. When you believe that, like, I'm healthy, my body, it's safe for me to be thin because for many people too, having weight on their body is, is a strategy. It's a, it's a protective thing for us. Everything that we have in our life or don't have in our life, it's because that's what feels, or what we have is what feels familiar and safe for us, even if it's uncomfortable. And that's based off of our programming. Because whatever we've been programmed to be, that is what's familiar to us. And the, what we <laughs> prefer are things that are familiar because that is pleasure and what we are not familiar with equals pain. So I feel like I just kind of went in like a weird little circle right there. Um, no, I love it. This is so good. <laughs> but essentially, so with like, I always like to use this example too with how we block manifestation, right? Like let's say some people want to attract love. And I used to work a lot with at-risk youth foster kids. And many of them, pretty much all of them actually, had the belief of I'm unlovable. And there's tons of reasons why they can explain to you why they believe that, right? And then they want to just call in love, manifest love, create love. And even if love came towards them, if you believe that you are unlovable, you will push it away. So with the kids that I worked with, you know, they would come to this camp and they would come off the bus. And here we are as camp counselors going, hey guys, we're going to have so much fun. And we'll put our arms around. Well, we can, we can only side hug them, but all of a sudden, what happens for them is they start to get suspicious. They start to think, well, what does this person want from me? I can't trust them. They're trying to use me. Maybe they're going to hurt me. And because they believe I'm unlovable, that's what's familiar to them. 
and love that's coming at them is super unfamiliar, so they reject it and they push it away. It's perceived as a threat by the mind. Whatever you don't believe, whatever you believe, anything that's not in alignment with it in your external world is perceived as a threat by the mind. So again, we'll push it away or self or sabotage it. So if you believe I'm not worth money and then all of a sudden you get a bunch of money, it's actually perceived as a threat by the mind. It's very unfamiliar. So we'll sabotage it and destroy it essentially. So going back to how do we manifest, like truly manifest, you've got to get in your subconscious. You've got to shift your beliefs and have them align with what it is that you say that you want so that you can manifest with ease. Yeah. And I think that that's such an important reminder because just too many of us are focusing on, on things like strategy, like what you're talking about. Okay. You know, I just need to master Facebook ads or I just need to figure out, um, you know, that how to, how to get in with this one coach or whatever. I've totally gone down that road before and it doesn't work. Ultimately it still always comes down. Like there's no, there's no one magic pill anyway that will just solve all of your problems. But ultimately if, if you haven't even done the work to figure out what else needs to be done to actually get to that point, you're never going to make it there. It, it's just not going to even be able to come into your realm because you're keeping it at an arm's length. Totally. And look, it's like we're all energetic beings, right? And so your beliefs have a certain frequency to it. The strongest frequency within you. If you believe, you know, I'm not worthy, you're going to have thoughts that are consistent with that belief. Your thoughts have energy. And then the thoughts create a feeling in your body, which creates a certain energy that either has you attract or push away the very thing that you say that you want. So my understanding of manifestation and where I've kind of like, it's felt true for me is that in quantum physics has showed that there's like this field of potential, right? Everything that you desire is currently available in energetic form. So you as a millionaire or you as, you know, $10,000 in debt currently exists in reality, but are you, which one are you energetically aligned to? And so when you shift your belief system, right, or your thoughts, your thoughts are the rockets that you're, this is according to Esther Hicks, which I love, your thoughts are like the rockets that you send out into the field. You're like, I want this. And it's like, dunk, it starts to connect to the thing. But your feeling is the magnet that draws in what it is that you say that you want. So if your feeling is, again, I want this, I don't feel worthy of it, there's an, it's a chaotic vibration, there's a mismatch, and you're starting to push the very thing that you say you want away from you. You're not drawing it in. But if you believe I'm worthy of it, it generates a feeling of receptivity and a match for what is it that you say that you want, and you can now pull that thing towards you, and that's how things, oh my gosh, wow, that just manifested into my life. It's so crazy. Well, it's because you are a yes to it. You're able to see it. You're able to receive it and to bring it, call it forward versus pushing it away. And sometimes what I think people forget too is that manifesting, you can end up with what you wanted, but it can come to you in forms that you didn't plan on having it come in. <laughs> oh, totally. So, yeah. It, it can, it's almost like, like when your mom will tell you, you need to be careful what you wish for. It, it's sort of like that because you need to be very specific when you're manifesting things <laughs> because otherwise you can end up getting the thing that you want, but the road to get there can look wildly different than what you thought it would. <laughs> yeah. And 
totally, absolutely. I actually had a friend. She's, she had this really cool vintage bug um, car, and she kept saying, I want to fix my car. I want to fix my car. I want to fix my car. And what she meant was she wanted to fix it up with like these really cool aftermarket parts to kind of zhuzh up her car. And she ended up getting into a really bad accident. And so oh. now she had to fix it. So it's like, mm, that's not what I meant. <laughs> so be very mindful as well of what you're specifically saying that you want because, you know, it, it can happen in ways that you didn't intend on. And like you said, manifestation can also come to you in ways that are still moving you towards what you desire, but don't look like what you think it's going to be. And sometimes manifesting can come through a conversation with a person that you needed to hear that and boom, that sets you on your trajectory. Or it could be, again, any other, or it could be in the form of an opportunity, but that becomes a stepping stone to actually get you to where you need to go. And so really paying attention and I like to check in with my body a lot to feel like if, if this is aligned or not, to be able to know that even if I'm trying to manifest something and this could be the stepping stone to get me there, um, whether it's aligned or misaligned, you know? That's a really important piece too. And, and I like that that ties in with what I think is sort of your, your kind of overarching message, which is that you, you also really come at this from such a holistic uh, perspective, which I really love and, and appreciate things like tying in the breath work too. Like, do you use breath work with all of your clients or is it sort of on a, a more case by case basis? Yeah, it's, it, it really depends. I'm using it a lot more now and I'm actually having them um, do it on their own because breath work, it's showing how you are your own medicine. Like we don't always need external people or things to support us in our own healing and awakening. We can actually use our own breath, which is, coming from us, as long as we know how to connect to the breath and use the breath to generate what we want. And with breath work, a lot of stuff comes up for people. Like I remember my first breath work session, I sobbed uncontrollably. And when I was done, I was like, all right, I guess that needed to happen. And it was so healing for me because we have so much trauma and these energies that are stored within our physical body that don't serve us. And that's what breath work, you know, supports you in doing is starting to heal and release. And I've had releases also that was like a lot of anger that came forward. Same thing with my clients. And they're just like, the more they breathe, they're noticing these shifts coming through and through the breath work, a lot of insights can come through. I've even had friends, I haven't yet, but I've had friends have downloads of inspiration for like a new business. They were going to start through breath work. Um, It just has you connect and tap into you know, a different realm. And it's so beautiful again, that it's you that's doing it, not somebody else. So I love, love, love breath work. And I do it as a consistent practice and a majority of my clients, I'll use it as well. Yeah. And breath work is, is incredibly powerful. I've had the same type of experience with it where I I'll just end up like sobbing in the middle before <laughs> afterwards too. Like, I'm like, what, what is this? <laughs> Like, I don't know, but just let it flow. Okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. That's just what happens. And, and you're like, wait, powerful. well, I'm just breathing. Like, yeah, why, why is this bringing up so much stuff? But it really does seem to unlock a huge amount within us that 
then allows you to have that kind of release, which is just so powerful. Yeah. And I think, and I just to be clear too, when people are listening and they're hearing breath work, there's different styles of breath work. I think the one that you and I are talking about is kind of a bit more confronting. There's different names for it. It's like the belly breath, the chest breath, and you release. Is that the one that yes. you're talking about? Yeah. 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 So I know that a lot of people do that same breath and they'll call it, you know, I've heard bliss point, I've heard conscious connected breathing, I've heard circular breathing. There's all these different names, but that one particular breath is the one that evokes that level of emotion um, or the trapped energy that's within our body or can connect and bring in insights. That's just what I've experienced. But there's other forms of breath work where you can do like um, a box breath. So like four in, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. And that's a very energizing breath. So if you want energy throughout the day, you can do that. If you want to calm yourself, you can do a breath where it's um, the exhale is actually twice as long as the inhale. So whether it's like a three, six, a four, eight, um, a nine, 18, <laughs> um, just having uh, the breath or the exhale be twice as long as the inhale can kick you into your parasympathetic nervous system. And again, there's more, but I just wanted to clarify for some people too, because they might do like a slow breathing and going, wait, why am I not sobbing? You know, or <laughs> why are insights not coming through? But there's different styles that can get you to different places energetically. Well, and yeah, that was something else we were going to talk about. And I, I got so sucked into everything else that is amazing that you were discussing that we didn't even touch on that. But can you give us a, a really uh, like brief explanation and kind of overview about how all of, all of this that we've discussed, so things like the breath work, um, the hypnotherapy, all of that kind of relates to our parasympathetic, our parasympathetic nervous system and what you want people to sort of know the most about that. Yeah. So um, we have our sympathetic and our parasympathetic nervous system. Usually when your sympathetic is kicked up, you are in a heightened state of stress. Right? It's when you're in fight flight um, and some people go into freeze. And when you're in your parasympathetic, that's more of the rest and relax. I think that in our society, majority of us are so in our sympathetic, right? We're constantly in a fight flight state, constantly anxious about something or stressed about something. And that cascades into our body and starts to really mess with our adrenals and with, you know, our digestion and everything else of having um, a vital body that's functioning, you know, optimally. And what I really love to encourage people to do, and this is also what I do with a lot of my high achieving clients, is getting them into their parasympathetic. How can we get you more into the rest and relax and not feel like you're in a constant state of threat? And when we're able to be in our parasympathetic, when you're resting and relaxing from that energy, you open more portals of creativity, of better decision making, of um, just being more resourced really, because if you're stressed out and you're trying to resolve something or figure something out, it's much more difficult versus when you're in your parasympathetic, you're in a place of resting and you're able to receive more insights or again, be more resourced and see things from a different perspective to come to newer conclusions that are more, um, more supportive. So yeah, I'm huge on that. And I was somebody who created a lot of burnout because I was constantly stressed and overwhelmed and pushing myself. And then I realized like this doesn't work, you know? So I was my first case <laughs> and then um, was able to really support my clients through that too. 
Yeah. And that's such a beautiful reminder too, because so many of us are, are stuck there. I have definitely been there. I'm still working on some of that and uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> we, no. we like to convince ourselves that it does. You're like, you know, the push harder, the, uh, yeah, I'm trying to manifest this thing. So I have to take all the action towards it, all of these things. And it doesn't work when you're just coming at everything from a really exhausted standpoint. Not only are you not going to call in the things that you want, because at that point you're, you're physically energetically pushing it away. That's not even like more of an emotional thing. It's like your body just can't even handle whatever's coming at you because you're so, you're so exhausted all the time yeah. and it I doesn't mean, benefit anyone. Yeah. Again, it's all of the above. So even when you're in that state, you're still manifesting, right? But you're usually then manifesting more of what you don't want. Yes. And in order to actually manifest what you do want, that's when you have to shift because frantic energy doesn't create abundance. Stress out energy doesn't create joy and freedom and love. So if, and I think that those are kind of the typical things that most people really want to attract into their life. It could look different, right? It could be in the form of money or it could be in the form of relationship, but ultimately we like want to attract in these feelings or to experience these feelings. And we do it through the vehicle of things outside of us. Or so we say, even though it really, it comes internally, not from external but we can't call in those things if we're in a vibrational state of stress and anxiety and panic. It literally is a sabotaging and pushing energy or repelling energy. So yeah, get in that parasympathetic girl that helps you to um, attract much more and ultimately it just, or attract more of what you want, but ultimately just puts you in a beautiful state of joy and ease. And I really think that that's where most people want to get to anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's so interesting. I worked, um, I, I worked with an energy worker recently and she said she was sort of getting this download from the universe to me to tell me to fucking relax. <laughs> and she's like, it's literally being said to me, like, I need to say it to you exactly that way so that you fully understand. <laughs> mm. And it just spoke to me at such a deep level. So it's so funny that we're talking about this because I'm, I'm right in it. I'm learning it myself too. Like this, I've, again, it's sort of something that I've, I've already known but it was something that I needed said to me It'd be mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, this, this, I know that this isn't working. I really need to not continue doing this. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And sometimes so we need to hear it like a sock in the, in the face, you know, it's like, Oh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Love comes yes. in many forms. Yeah. Love can <laughs> sound like that. <laughs> it's not always yes. gentle and compassionate, <laughs> exactly. but the intention is there of love. With yes. Love. Yes. And the meeting will help. Yeah. <laughs> so Stephanie, I, this has just been incredible and so eye-opening. Let us know uh, where we can find you. And you also have some resources uh, that you are offering everybody listening. You also have uh, some new, like a new project that you're working on. Tell us about all the things because I'm so excited for, especially for your new endeavor. I think it's going to be amazing. Oh, thanks girl. Um, <laughs> so if you wanted to actually get in, in the information, you can go to stephaniekwong.com. And on there, I have a manifestation hypnosis. And what that does is it starts to get you energetically aligned and your subconscious conscious and just vibrationally to call in the very thing that it is that you say you do want. So that's free to download off my website. Um, my podcast, Rise Higher, has some great resources. I'm starting to do more solo episodes to teach. And then yes. what you're talking about, <laughs> the reset, my new project that I'm launching, which I'm super pumped for, um, basically it's a combination. It's a three-day immersion 
where we pull people out of their stressed out environment and nourish them and show them um, ways to really get into their parasympathetic and to also rewire what doesn't work for them, what actually got you to this place of stress and overwhelm and burnout um, so that they can actually create from a place of uh, nourishment and vitality. And so those three days were really attacking it from the mind, the body, and the spirit, and really giving people tangible tools that they can use once they leave. And then it comes with uh, a 30-day integration period, because what I've also realized is a lot of times people will go to these retreats, and when they're done, they go home, and they go right back into the drift. They go into how life was before they first left. And what's missing is that integration piece to ensure that you're starting to build a habit of a new way of being and a new way of doing and showing up to yourself into life. So um, that all of that's called the reset and we're super excited. I think we're partnering with the four seasons on doing it to launch. And um, I just know that it's going to impact a lot of people because those tools, like um, I had shared with you when, before we started recording, like I, I coached inside of a treatment center with women who had borderline personality disorder, bipolar, and other mood disorders. And I also worked inside of two addiction rehabs and they're a very dysregulated population. And it was there that I learned a lot of powerful tools as well to regulate ourselves. And by regulation, I mean, get yourself into a place of calm, bring yourself into parasympathetic. And last year I had like for a few months on my own like dark night of the soul where I didn't really want to exist on the planet. And um, I know it came for a purpose and a reason. There was a lot of soul diving, a lot of healing. And what emerged from that is realizing, unfortunately, in that time, I had resources. And I learned all this stuff in those treatment centers. And also just through my own studies over the past 20 years as a student and 10 years as a practitioner in the work that I do, that I was able to support and sustain myself. And I realized that so many people do not have access to it. And that's what the reset's going to do is to really give people the resources to um, self-manage and to self-regulate so that they're much more effective internally and externally in their life. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm so excited for people to find out more about this because I just think that it's, it's going to be really powerful. And you were telling me even more about it um before we jumped on and i just i love all of the the concepts that you're coming up with so that's Thanks, girl. awesome appreciate you <laughs> so i always wrap up with one last question and stephanie if you could offer people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves what would it be so the first thing that comes up is um just give yourself a whole lot of compassion. You're doing the best that you can in this human body and moving towards what it is that you say that you desire each and every day. Just be gentle and compassionate with yourself. That's, such a, that's been such a game changer for me in experiencing a lot more fulfillment in what I'm creating and just experiencing life in general day to day. And so that's what I would offer up to people is, you know, Pour on that compassion and love each and every day onto yourself. You know, it's simple, but we really underestimate it and we, yeah. we often push it aside. Yeah. And I think that that's a really powerful reminder. Yeah. 
So good. Oh my gosh. Stephanie, I'm so grateful that you took the time. Uh, this was just transformative. I think that it's so amazing. It's a lot of what you were saying is coming to me in a moment when I need to hear it as well and need to be reminded of it. Um, so I'm certain that it's going to do it for somebody else too. And I'm just so appreciative that, that you came on and that you offered up your incredible wisdom and expertise. <laughs> oh, thank you again for having me. This was so much fun and I always love connecting with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. I'm so incredibly grateful that you took the time because it means the absolute world to me. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review, and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so that I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday with brand new episodes, and I am looking forward to growing with you. 